I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Prestige TV podcast. I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray. I'm a little under the weather today, but I'm feeling much, much better now that I'm with, as always, my lovely, wonderful, and talented co-host, Jody Walker. What's going on, Jody? Oh, Waz, you know, we've called this emergency podcast here today because soon you will find out that I have been recording other podcasts and taking meetings all day. But <laughs> if if we come together here, there is an opportunity for us to do something incredible. So I was, before I got on here, I was wondering what would be the nickname of our shop at The Ringer? And I was like, it would definitely have to be something Boston-inspired. And I landed on, we would call, they, the nickname would be Sully's. That's <laughs> what they would call it. They would call I it know, Sully's. I was thinking, wow, industry using sports metaphors is like the most Ringer thing that's ever <laughs> yeah. happened. And as someone who's on the pop culture side of The Ringer, I could barely keep up with what was going on, but <laughs> Yan Yankees and Red Sox I can handle. Yeah, so I was trying to decipher which banks they were talking about. When they said the Yankees, I was like, well, that would have to be probably either Goldman or J.P. Morgan Chase. I know it wasn't J.P. Morgan because they mentioned J.P. Morgan it. later, so, so it has to Goldman. be Goldman, right? And then when they when they were talking about when they were talking about the German bank, like what did they settle on the Krauts or what did they call them? I don't even remember. Uh, it was uh, yeah, I I sh I should have googled it. It was something that I'm sure was not okay to say. Yeah, so I was like, that's probably Deutsche Bank, right? Yeah. And the Japanese bank, I, I assumed was HSBC, which I think is Japanese, might be I Chinese. Which is slightly problematic, but like I'm pretty sure it's HSBC. 
I was not sure about the Japanese bank and I was so far out of my depth of of understanding how they could just kind of, you know, sell themselves as a trio of financiers to an entire bank uh, that I that I really wasn't. But it was very clear that Yankees was the only nickname that was not problematic. Yeah. So anyway, that I, I loved all of that fake cloak and dagger, you know, we're doing this clandestine mission, but we wanted to do a preview pod for industry's season finale. I think you and I will both agree. Season two has been incredible. Just from start to finish, they just keep us going and the action is nonstop. And, you know, what gets the episode and a lot of the storyline rolling in episode seven that is basically going to set up what happens in the season finale is Rob is meeting with Nicole, who he's been ignoring for a little while now. Uh, and Venetia interrupts and she wants to pick the brain of, you know, this great girl boss. You know, <laughs> she wants to, you know, I just really think as a woman, you inspire me and all of this crap. And um, Rob's like, look, like <sighs> you, you interrupted this, but you're super thirsty. And like, I don't think you should be doing, but you know what? I don't want to be hanging out with this woman anyway. Have at it. He leaves the meeting. Of course, he realizes the mistake that he's made because this woman is a predator. Like, it's been established now that this is what she does. Comes back and it's too late. And the woman, you know, it's revealed later on in the episode, Nicole sexually assaults Venetia. And that gets this whole thing rolling. Uh, What did you think about that sort of powwow at the restaurant? I thought that dinner scene was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, it was really rough to watch. Extremely well-written the way that... I I think what episode seven throughout does so well, and like it's what you want out of a penultimate episode, is that it takes, you know, everything the season has been doing all season long, and then it just lays a platform for the finale. So we're getting like all these sort of weird, unusual combinations of people that we've seen throughout the season, like Venetia and Rob, like Harper and Rishi, like Yaz and Kenny. But here they're like really given the platform to show the character growth that that they've achieved, that the writers have achieved throughout this show. And so Rob looks like he is chewing glass during that dinner scene. Like he is so miserable. He looks like he's about to throw up. But seeing the dynamic that has that has become between he and Nicole is pretty gross. You know, the way that there's especially the way that she's speaking to him. She calls it what does she call him? Like a like a fucking wimp or or something like that. And and watching Venetia watch this and be like, I guess this is how it goes. Venetia's been a fun character because She's smart, and I and I assume she's faking all that girl boss stuff. She just has to get through Riff. You know, she just needs to get herself in front of a client, and she's going to do what it takes. But watching the way that Rob deals with it and, like, immediately regrets his decision to leave her alone. But there's just, you know, there's nothing black and white about the morality of this episode. It is all in gray. Yeah, it's all over the place. And... 
So, of course, Venetia being, you know, the young Gen Zer that she is, she's unlike Harper, who just, you know, she rebuffed it, moved on with her life, was like, whatever, I need to get bigger clients anyway, moved on. Uh, Rob, who was just like, well, this is a way to get a client on the hook <laughs> and embraced it. <laughs> she takes a third path and is like, yo, I'm going to report this woman like this is. This is unacceptable behavior. She sexually assaulted me. We need to, I need to let my superiors know. And it starts a chain of events where she tells a bunch of different people what happened. And one by one, the just the clumsiness that this is all handled within all the approaches have their own merits, if you will, and their own problems, of course. And she talks to Yaz, who Yaz lied to her when she left the desk and said, oh, I'll always be a mentor to you. Come find me whenever. So she inevitably goes and finds Yaz and gets, Yaz just like, I don't see what the big deal is. (laughs) But you know, like Yaz thinks that's being some sort of mentor. Like, she's like, you're a pragmatic person. and But, you know, Yaz is just p- pretty typically wrong. Uh, and so, like, watching that, you know, this, this episode is so interesting because we've talked a lot uh, in our industry conversations about how well they portray class and the differences between class, especially in the UK. But one of probably my favorite thing about industry is industry as a workplace drama mm-hmm. and watching in season one and in season two, they in both seasons in the back half, they've kind of dipped into this thing of showing like the generational changes uh, and the way that structures and systems in a company yes. can change. But watching it happen in real time is so awful and so painful to watch people just butt up against kind of like old school powers and to watch who in these newer, younger generations um, are still trying to operate in these older systems. So like Yaz telling uh, Venetia to just, you know, just be pragmatic, just use this. And you see how like even women can keep these structures in place for other women, it's just so realistic. Everything about industry feels so realistic to me as someone who experiences almost nothing within industry to actually (laughs) know if it's realistic, but Mm -hmm. the way that I can relate to it as someone who is not involved in any of these fields makes me feel like they're doing a very realistic job of portraying it. So, yeah, I'm happy you brought up the system uh, that can be in place at a given institution. And as much as we we recognize that Yaz's advice and the way she handled this woman coming to her in a sensitive moment, uh, in a certain way, she's right about the culture and how the superiors, how the bosses are going to view this. The bosses are not going to care <laughs> that this woman behaved reprehensibly. They're going to care that she does big business with them. And that's what Yaz was sort of getting at. It's like, isn't this a big client? Yeah, this shit don't rate. <laughs> this shit doesn't rank. And as the episode sort of unfolds, like the people who do care, just like, yo, this is fucked up. We legitimately want to do something. When it gets to the top guy, he's just like, I mean, I don't even want to. Why are you bringing this to me? <laughs> well, right, because Yaz is operating within 
the system that exists around her. She is operating within what she knows to be true. Venetia, a very young person and someone we already know to be someone who, like, really gives thought to these things is operating within a system that she wants to exist. Or at least she hopes will exist. But we see that hope literally die in her eyes throughout the episode, which is very sad. But watching someone like DVD, who's, what, 35, you know, and and really, like, ultimately is seeming, despite cries of, like, that guy's a snake, is ultimately seeming to be, like, a pretty good guy. Like, just somehow this, like, corny, decent guy who has ended up in this nasty, nasty business. But for him to not know the system that he operates within this far into the game is is interesting, but I I really like the sort of parallel that pops up here in episode seven between DVD in season two and dun-dun-dun Daria in season one. (laughs) I could could smell Daria in the air before I saw her. I swear, I knew she was going (laughs) to pop up. And when she didn't, I was like, oh, I guess I was wrong. And then boom, she did show up. Uh, But we we can get to that later. But yeah, watching, watching these people who actually are capable of creating change because they have not been so indoctrinated into these systems and structures yet. Watching this sort of like impossible path set before them of how they're possibly going to create change from these lower levels is is hard to watch. But I think industry does it so much better than almost any other show on TV. So we catch up with our gang. Um, We knew that Harper and Eric were about to partner up to find a new home, find a lifeboat. But the episode opens and Rishi is part of the conspiracy to find another lifeboat. Um, Reluctantly, of course, at first, because he's just, you know, last time he saw Harper, she was stabbing him in the back. Um, But, you know, quickly, because everybody in the show is so fucking (laughs) self-interested, quickly, everybody's able to put that stuff to the side and just be like, all right, whatever, fuck it. We got to do what we got to do. Let's go out and find a new home. And they do that. They go to a couple of places. We mentioned the nicknames that they had for the different shops or whatever. Um, And they get rebuffed at the one And then when they show up to the meeting that they're like, all right, you know, we wanted to be Yankees, the pinstripes, blah, 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 all of this. Turns out that they were just being used as leverage against new people that they actually wanted and to bring their asking price down to show that there was some level of competition and nobody wanted them. And the person who came to stick the knife in... um, quite just savagely and viciously and rightfully so the way they handled her last season was Daria. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was legitimately surprised by this twist um, and it was really fun. And dude, Mahala Harold's eyes in that scene with like, the, like when she realizes that it's Daria who's doing it, who's doing them right there. Mwah, chef's kiss. Because you can see it. You can see that she's still thinking, like, how can I spin this? How She knows it's dead in the water, but she's 
always thinking. She's always moving. I, it was an incredible twist to bring Daria back. I'm not saying that it was predictable, but it I, she was on my mind. It was so perfectly placed for that character to come back because she was on my mind for all of the reasons that we've talked about with Venetia. Um, because, you know, she was trying... in At Pierpoint, Daria was trying to be a voice of reason, a person who supports women in the workplace, a person who <laughs> actually tries to like create a healthy environment for the people she manages. <laughs> and Harper had the opportunity to choose between <laughs> Daria and Eric, and she chose Eric, which I, I think, you know, no matter how much we enjoy that relationship between Harper and Eric and enjoy watching its destructive and toxic tendencies, it was incredibly clear that she was making maybe the wrong, not the wrong choice from a business point at that time, but definitely the wrong personal choice. However, I love what this episode does. It shows that like those decisions, once you make them, they don't stop happening. Yeah. Them double-crossing Daria was a fork in the road and it felt like they took one, they took one side of it. But here they are in front of the reality that they have created, which is like that they chose to operate within this chaotic system that they understand and that they're like, well, if you can't do it, then shit or get off the pot. They kicked Daria out, but she's got her own thing she's doing. You know, like maybe there are new ways. Maybe Goldman is a more ethical company. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> and she, and he, now here she is. It's like, you know, we see so often in these situations with, like, sexual assault or any any number of terrible things happening in companies like these that it gets swept under the rug or that these people get fired and they get silenced. And, like, in firing Daria in the really, like, bad way that they did, they didn't silence her. Like, Eric's like, I thought you were gone. She's like, nope, I just took 18 months maternity leave and here I am about to ruin your life. <laughs> and as much as I root for these characters, I just loved that twist. And yeah. you're so right. Like, I loved watching their faces just absolutely crumble at the situation they've created for themselves. And, you know, they maybe they maybe it would have worked with that first company that they went to, but it didn't because Eric's ego is so big that he couldn't do it, and he just knew this Yankee shot was a sure thing. And it wasn't. Perfect. <laughs> it, it, it was perfect. Um, so they're left scrambling, of course. Um, I want to take it to Gus, who... He gets to kick in his ass from his sister. He's going to do this politics thing. He visits Bloom to give him the news like, yo, your kid didn't get in. I tried my best. I think he's, you know, a solid guy and I think he's got potential, but he, he didn't get in. It's unfortunate. But he's on the right path, right? Like he really is taking this type of stuff more serious. Sure. Bloom pays him for his services. And it's like, listen, man, this is what you got for just coaching them up. Imagine if you would have delivered a championship. 
I was with Gus on this, though. Like, when he gets this envelope of pounds, I'm like, for what? Having sex with your 19-year-old son for a couple of months? I I didn't see a lick of tutoring happening for that oh. in the entire storyline. They didn't crack a book. It, it doesn't matter. The young man has had an awakening. That's 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 all that matters and here. And 30,000 pounds really cannot buy you an awakening. <laughs> priceless. And, it's priceless. And, of course, he... Um, he intimates that, like, look, getting the job done would have gotten you even more money, which sparks an idea in Gus's head. And it's it's a great, great scene because they're talking around what is actually happening. When So Gus goes to Oxford, visits, I guess, one of his old teachers or advisors or whatever this guy's supposed to be at Oxford. And they proceed to just have a... Quid pro quo, okay? Like, you do this with your political connections. Get my homie in, into the door, into Oxford. I get to have a shit ton of cash for setting the whole thing up. Everybody wins, right? And we see that Gus is now in the great game, right? He's using his political uh, connections to enrich himself, to help uh, 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 uh a boyfriend, and, you know, just he's moving and shaking and operating. And look, there's a way to read this as, wow, like, this is all politicians do, huh? Just use their connections to enrich themselves. They're, they don't actually serve the people as is as their job says that they should. But I thought it was cool to see that Gus is like, all right, I'm in the game now. Like, I'm really, really in the game now. It was cool to see from a sort of character development standpoint on a show like industry where everyone's already terrible, so might as well suck Gus in too. But was remember when Gus was briefly a social worker? Do you remember those wonderful <laughs> times? Like the fact that Gus went from help trying to help that man who put dog shit on his desk and he was still committed to trying to help his constituent to a mere matter of episodes later he's using his pull to get jesse bloom's kid into school as if this kid needs any, any help, help this is what yeah. you're using your privilege for like to hear that professor the professor literally says oh he's one of us Oh, my skin was crawling. <laughs> and yet, I'm immediately way more interested in Gus's storyline than I have been. Yeah, it, it's great. It's great to see him operating. Again, it, you know, it kind of hurts his soul a little bit to see him just wholly and completely sell out. But this is reality we're talking about. And um, I enjoyed it. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Things end off with our characters. They're flailing, flailing in the wind. They're looking cooked. Um, they're taking job. They're taking meetings with competitors. Banks don't abide by that. Like that's traitorous treasonous shit. 
their heads are going to get chopped off for it. And a lifeline comes in the form of Harper having once been sexually assaulted. <laughs> There's that pragmatism that Yaz was talking about. It's, it's incredible. DVD reaches out to Harper and he basically expresses some discontent with the company. And Harper's like, oh shit, DVD's not happy over there. This is it. This is this is going to unlock the key. He's going to take us to the promised land. He gets brought into the fold. Um, and now what started as two and became three, we now have the four horsemen, which is a wrestling reference, uh, Jody. Um, I believe it's also a biblical reference when we bring in the apocalypse that is, that is <laughs> coming. So, yeah, I got it on that end. And and so it's now the four of them, DVD, Harper, uh, Rishi, and Eric. Uh, they're going to package themselves. DVD negotiates terms with them like, I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to make the most money. You guys get to keep your jobs at a dope spot. Everybody's like, fuck it. Let's do it. We're all in at this point. And yeah, that carries us into the next, is going to carry us into the finale. We're going to see what happens with that new partnership. Uh, we're going to see what's happening with Harper and Bloom because they mentioned in the episode that he's still sitting on that short position, which means he doesn't want to give up on it yet. So again, that's a Harper play. So he's still into the play that she gave him. So we're going to see how that unfolds. And um, we're going to see what the fallout is of the sexual assault case. Yeah, Jesse's sitting in that absurd, I don't even know what it was, a cathedral, an auditorium turned into a basketball. I think I think he bought a castle and it's just <laughs> empty. <laughs> was you saying I I think what he did is I think that he bought a castle. <laughs> yes, I think that you're right. I think that it was a castle. I just like couldn't figure out what room in the great castle it was that he had emptied out for all of his screens. It was so obnoxious. <laughs> Him like talking about the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, it's so obnoxious, but it's so like picture perfect yeah. of the kind of person that he is. Brilliant. And at those screens in that huge empty room telling Theory to turn off the music, he quite literally looks like the great and powerful Oz. And I that just I was just thinking that while you were talking about that he's just like sitting on this short and sitting on this possibility that he has. And I think what I can't wait to find out in the finale is if Harper really understands Jesse the way that she thinks that she does. Because she talks a big game about knowing, you know, it's it's like he speaks a language that only she can speak to. But since nobody else can speak it, we can't really be sure if she speaks it or not. It's just really, it's really high stakes going into the finale. Yeah, um, I just got to shout out Conrad and Mickey. Uh, Conrad, Kay, and Mickey Down. I just said their first names as if they were like my my brothers uh, from another. But um, shouts to them because they just... This character is so well-written and drawn out. And what Duplass is doing with it, with his performance, is just... It's just so rich. Like the smarmy, just douchey energy just oozes out of every single scene that he's in. And it's perfect. And also, I got to shout out whoever's decision it was to play Wu-Tang. Uh, because honestly, I listen to Bill. I, I'll um, listen to Chris and Andy. Uh, 
I'll listen to Sean's show. And oftentimes they're talking about needle drops and all of this. And like, it's always like some fucking rock band or whatever. Some shit that I've never heard in my whole fucking life. That means absolutely nothing to me. Um, Wu-Tang being played in here? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. me. That was, that was the needle Big drop time. for Waz. No, I love that too. I noted it too. I like immediately went and listened to the whole song. It's like, I and I, it was such a perfectly placed needle drop because of the very dorky way that he'd been talking about the Wu-Tang Clan earlier in the episode. It was just, just, yeah, just chef's kiss. The, the music on this show, the score was also hitting on all levels during this episode. And they've like, conditioned me now to hear a certain replication of this score and be like, oh, something good is about to happen. Because they played the score like something good was about to happen when they walked into that Goldman meeting and then their shit got rot, uh, only to then come back around and, and use this DVD lifeboat. But I'm thinking going into the finale, DVD's got to get some of this stuff in writing. Rishi has to get <laughs> some of this stuff in writing because they both have like the same sort of standards. You know, they're like, I'm MP, I'm in charge. <laughs> and I'm sorry, DVD is looking at Eric and saying that he's going to run the desk and then just believing him when he says yes. I'm not buying it. They are looking at two of the most duplicitous people possible <laughs> in Harper and Eric. And they know it. I mean, we literally hear Rishi call Harper a sociopath. And like, if Rishi's calling you a sociopath, yeah. it must be really bad. Uh, but, and yet they still buy into it. Because what does Eric say at the very end of the episode? He says, isn't it lucky that no one's ever satisfied? And it's that's perfect. such a maniacal thing to think that then I was like, hmm, maybe I could use that in my life somehow. <laughs> Yeah, it so was just true. it was just a, a perfect capstone to the episode and to the season. Just what the show was about, just boundless ambition and greed and avarice. And, you know, this is just the world that these people operate in. So, yeah, make sure you guys tune in to our Actually, of course, watch the finale. It's going to be insane. And then we will have a recap of the finale next week. Uh, be sure to go listen. Go stream Jizz's Liquid Swords because it's a fire record. Um, and yeah, man, uh, just, just been incredible, incredible second season. I love this show. It's up there with everything for me. I'm talking about succession. I'm talking about thrones. I'm talking about all of it when it comes to how entertained I am as I'm watching this show. It's right there with anything that I watch. Um, and so, so dope to be doing this. Um, and yeah, Jody, what you got anything else before we wrap up here? About the show, I mean, I'll just say you're right. This these these episodes have hit on every level, but I think what we're hearing, seeing here in episode seven and going into the finale is how well this entire season has gone together, and how these sort of seeds that they planted early on have now grown into these trees, these mountains of what we will like having to be conquer. I mean, they're potentially all about to work for an entirely different company or alternatively be completely unemployed. Uh, so I just, I, I, I can't wait to find out and I hope everyone will join us back here for the finale. All right, uh, that was our show. Want to shout out to Devin for producing this for us. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace out. <laughs>